You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on five. the phone. Here to the Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022, people. As my buddy John Rothstein says, this is March. Okay, I didn't do it as well as John Rothstein, but it is March. It is college hoop season. Yet incredibly, I'll say this. We actually aren't going to start with college hoops today on the Air Tour Sports Podcast. I will do a very, 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 very quick opening segment on the absurdity of Major League Baseball. On Tuesday, they officially announced they're going to cancel games. I'm not a huge baseball guy. It's not going to be a 35-minute opening segment, I promise. I just got to get off some thoughts on this. The biggest story in sports, the most ridiculous story in sports, that's where we'll start. From there, we'll get to some Tuesday night college hoops. A lot of good games on Tuesday, including a game that I actually attended, USC Arizona. From there, we will get to actually an interesting college football topic as attendance dipped for, I think it's like the sixth or seventh straight season. We'll discuss that, and I will explain why this just might be one of the few things that college football can't control, and there's nothing we could do about it. We'll discuss that. And we might even wrap the show with a quick mailbag, okay? So uh, over the course of the weeks and months, a lot of you guys send me questions, send me a DM via Twitter, uh, comment on a YouTube video, send me an email. I've put aside about five, six questions that I thought are really good, and I do think we'll close the show with a mailbag because there's some stuff that it's not big enough for me to discuss as like a major marquee topic, but it is something that's interesting, and we will have to get to it. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day, and the topic of the day is, unfortunately, we're going to actually talk a little bit of Major League Baseball, and if you listen to this podcast, you know I do not claim to be a Major League Baseball expert, okay? I think in the history of the show, we've talked baseball twice. Once, it was during a World Series game when Nick Coffey was co-hosting with me, and I went on kind of a crazy expletive-filled uh, rant uh, with something that the Dodgers did. I remember that because many of you emailed me and said, uh, Torres, you can't be swearing during your show. We got kids in the car here. I'm trying to listen to that. So there's that time that I talked about baseball, and then I did talk about baseball last summer with the Field of Dreams game. If you remember the game in Iowa, Aaron Judge walking out of the cornfields, that was a really, really, really cool moment. 
Unfortunately, though, I'm going to be talking about baseball very briefly today. Again, I promise this will be a quick segment because of something on the worst end of sports. As on Tuesday, Major League Baseball officially announced that they are canceling the first week of the season, uh, the first two series of the season. And as a little bit of a backstory, and I'm not going to get into the logistics, but MLB season ends in October. Braves beat the Astros. Incredible moment. Braves first World Series in 20-whatever years. Uh, Baseball is coming off somewhat of a high in October. Over the last couple months, we knew there was labor strife. We knew there was disagreement. We knew there was separation between the owners and the players. Well, over the course of the last couple weeks, it has escalated, escalated, escalated. Saturday was supposed to be the first day of, uh, of spring training games. That was obviously canceled. And then on Tuesday, Commissioner Rob Manfred said, as I just said a minute ago, that the first two series, so about the first six to seven days of the season has been canceled. And let me just say this. I'm not going to give you the who, what, when, where, why. I'm not going to get into the boring labor negotiations because ultimately, I don't think you care. I don't think you care whether the owners are right. I don't think you care whether the players are right. I don't think you care about all the details. All you care about is the fact that there will be no MLB games to start the season in April. And on top of that, it doesn't appear as though we're getting any resolution on this anytime soon, and it could go much more into the spring. And let me just say this. Shame on Major League Baseball. Shame on Major League Baseball for not understanding not, uh, not understanding who they are and not caring about their fan base at all. And as a little bit of a backstory, what I would say is this. Even though I don't talk Major League Baseball on this show, I, I, I do like baseball. Like, like, yeah, we talk college football and college basketball and transfer portal and this, that, the other thing. Just because I don't talk baseball doesn't mean I don't love it. First of all, when I was a kid, and this sounds crazy because I don't feel old in life, but I feel old saying this. Baseball was a really big deal when I was a kid. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., pre-steroids Barry Bonds, Randy Johnson, Tony Gwynn, Kevin Brown. I, I think I've told this story before. I remember rearranging my whole Monday night schedule because Ken Griffey Jr. was going to be on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That was must-see TV, baby. I had to see Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with Ken Griffey Jr. in it. So I love baseball. I grew up watching a ton of baseball. Braves. TBS, Every Night, Mark Lemke, Ron Gant, John Smoltz, Greg Maddox, Mark Wollers. I watched a ton of baseball, played it in high school. Uh, And what I would also say is this, is that I still enjoy baseball even as an adult. Now, am I a 162-a-game diehard? I'm absolutely not, and I wouldn't claim to be. But I don't think most of you guys and girls are either. Guessing there's not a lot of you that have the 81-game season ticket pass to your favorite team. But what's great about baseball is that I do believe that it kind of links all of us as sports fans, right? What's great about baseball is the fact that when you look at some of these other sports, right, the NFL is bigger than anything. But not everybody can get to NFL games. There's eight, nine home games a year. Tickets are insane. Uh, Some of you don't live near an MLB or an NFL market. You just can't get to these games. If you live an hour from Alabama, an hour from Tennessee, an hour from Ohio State, an hour from Michigan, Penn State, you can't always get to one of the five, six, seven home games a year or you simply can't afford to. It's not a criticism, it's a reality. But the one thing that baseball, why it ties us all together is the idea that a couple nights every summer, just about all of us can get to the ballpark. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a ton of money. You don't have to save for the whole year. Somebody's playing in town Tuesday night. We could get to the Brewers-Cubs game. 
We can get to the Rockies-Padres game without breaking an arm and a leg and without breaking the bank, uh, spending an arm and a leg to get there. We can go, we can have a couple beers, we can sit outside, we can enjoy the summer, we can spend time with our family, with our kids, with our grandkids, with our mothers, with our fathers. That's what's great about baseball. And that, to me, is the most frustrating part of this whole situation with baseball. What baseball doesn't realize, the 162-game-a-year diehards, which are getting older and older, by the way, those aren't the people that you're going to lose with this decision. No, 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 no. They'll be back whether it's a 162-game season, an 82-game season, whatever. Who you are going to lose are the guys and girls like you and me, the guys and girls that put on a game in the background while you're making dinner in June. The guys and girls that, that you know, rearrange a schedule that maybe you and your boys, uh, you know, you want to take a trip and you center it around your favorite team going to play uh, in L.A. or in Miami or in Tampa. A lot of guys and girls take road trips, take baseball road trips to go see a new stadium. Those are the people you are going to lose, and that is the most frustrating part to me. MLB doesn't realize what it is doing to its fan base, not only the diehards, but the fringe, die, but the fringe people. And on top of that, what I think is amazing to me, I don't think MLB realizes what is at risk by them canceling games right now um, because I don't think they realize how quickly the world is changing and how little MLB matters to most of us in a shrinking world in terms of uh, shrinking world in terms of people having. I guess it's not a shrinking world. I guess it's the opposite. It's an expanding world where people have so many options, and MLB baseball on a night-to-night basis is increasingly not one of them. Just from the sports perspective, think about how many options that we have now when it comes to sports. You guys and girls, some of you, some of you are my age, some of you are older, many of you are younger. But there was a time not all that long ago, college hoops, really big deal. Then the tournament would be played, then the season would be over, then it'd be April 1st, and there would literally be nothing else for you to do besides watch Major League Baseball. It wasn't that long ago. But now think about how the world has changed. One, NFL draft coverage, Basically, this is just sports, by the way. NFL draft coverage, essentially like 365 days a year. NFL draft is going to pick up steam and only gain interest as we get further into March and April. NFL combine actually started on Tuesday. Beyond that, just from college sports, think about this. I always talk about it. Season used to end. You didn't think about your team until the following fall or winter if you were a basketball fan. Now we got the transfer portal. I'm telling you, a podcast like this, which I hate to brag, but this podcast has a pretty decent audience, okay? It's not a, you know, it's not a whatever. It's not NP, it's not Joe Rogan, but we got a pretty decent podcast. You know what we talk we talked about all last April, May and June? Transfer portal. Transfer portal. Like that is now a topic that we discuss in college basketball, in college football, where it used to be there was nothing to talk about besides Major League Baseball. Now I can do two, three episodes a week just on the transfer portal, just on Walker Kessler committing to Auburn, just on Severe Wheeler committing to Kentucky, just on uh, uh, Tari Eason committing to LSU, whatever. Oh, by the way, we're going to have some transfer portal stuff in football as well. Beyond that, we're going to have an Olympic, uh, not an Olympics this summer, a World Cup this summer, 2022. We're gonna, we, we have a million podcasts. We have a million radio shows. We have a million blogs. I talked about it the other day when I talked about hitting 500 episodes of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. One of the things I'm most proud of with this show is there are more options than ever before. As I said the other day, if you're an LSU football fan, you could just listen to LSU podcasts all day, every day. Don't have to listen to baseball, NFL, NBA, 
college basketball, if you're a, a Florida State fan, it's the same. If you're a Kentucky fan, it's the same. If you're a USC fan, it's the same. Heck, we're so niche. You can listen to just a recruiting podcast. You, you just want to hear about Ohio State recruiting 365 days a year? There's 20 podcasts that cover it. And so what MLB doesn't realize, we have more options than ever before. We don't need you, MLB, and we are going to forget about you. And I didn't even talk about all of the other non-sports-related things. I talked about it the other day. We got Amazon. We got Netflix. We got Hulu. We got HBO Max. We got Discovery Plus. We got Peacock. We got this. We got that. We got so many apps, I don't even know what all of them are. But what I told you the other day, you can watch pretty much anything from any era, anytime you want. You want to watch Elf in the middle of June? You can get Elf somewhere. I don't know where, but you can get it. You want to watch a documentary about a Tinder swindler? Guess what? We got one, baby. You don't got to watch the Dodgers and Cubs. You can watch uh, some guy swindling millions of dollars from these poor, desperate women, which I actually felt bad for. We have social media. Social media, it sounds stupid. I had a buddy tell me the other day. He goes, Torres, catch me up on college basketball. I don't watch college basketball anymore. I go on TikTok. I'm 40 years old. I'm more entertained by TikTok than I am anything on TV. And so I bring it up because MLB doesn't realize this. MLB doesn't realize that we have more options than ever before, that we're not waiting for them to come back in June or July or August or whatever. And by the way, it's not just the owners. I know we want to blame the old rich guys. It's the players too. I'm not saying, listen, every person should make as much money as you possibly can. But at the same time, All I am saying is, these players are making more money than they ever have before. I'm not saying they shouldn't want more, but it's not as though they're not to blame at all either. And so to me, it's so frustrating. And beyond that, the other thing that kind of stands out to me is this, is the idea that the MLB is oblivious to this. I mean, there are some sports, and I might have mentioned this a minute ago, there are some sports that are getting niche and smaller and smaller, but I think those sports do a great job of understanding that and trying to make their events appointment TV. Think about college basketball. Think about all the things they do over the course of the year to draw your interest in. We have the Champions Classic on opening night. I know next year it's not going to be on opening night, but Champions Classic on opening night. Getting Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State under one roof. College basketball knows you got other stuff going on in November. So they said, hey, how do we make something must-watch college basketball in November? Oh, get four of the most prominent programs together on opening night. That's a good idea. Same with uh, the CBS Sports Classic and the Big Ten ACC Challenge and the, all the little random events that pop up over the course of the year. Listen, I can criticize ESPN. I think they do an amazing job of knowing, hey, this sport's ramping down, so we got to ramp up. Col- oh, we're going to make sure that Duke Carolina is on the first weekend that we have no NFL. Suck people right into college basketball. Same with golf. Golf's got these incredible one-off events. The Tiger Woods playing with Tom Brady. All this good stuff. Like golf has it figured out. College basketball has it figured out. I think even college football, you could criticize it for a lot. But they try to get us good games every weekend. Now, sometimes somebody falls apart. Sometimes LSU's supposed to be a big game, but they stink. But college football tries. College, uh, Major League Baseball is just like, yeah, you're. Uh, we're going to put on a bunch of games with no rhyme or reason to any of them. And you're going to like it. And we're not going to do anything unique. Greatest thing the MLB did was that Field of Dreams game the other day, last year. And I'm not saying they got to do one of those every year because it'll lose its luster. But that was a creative, unique way to get people into baseball at a time to get people where people are, are, are trying to get into it but need a reason to. 
So I'm so frustrated with Major League Baseball, and I don't mean to go on a rant right off the show where I'm yelling and screaming, but it's like, give me a break, MLB. What are you doing? I'm not saying everybody's got to be kumbaya, holding hands, having the time of their lives. But at the same time, we're canceling games at a time when MLB is losing relevancy and interest from a younger audience every single year. It's insane to me, and I cannot believe that the powers that be in MLB, and again, it's not just the owners. It's the players. It's the players' union. It's this. It's that. It's everybody. Shame on them. Really quick, one final thought on this, uh, and then I promise we'll get to some college hoops. I had this thought, uh, and I tweeted it out. I think a lot of you guys agree with me. Sometimes coverage of stuff, like if you just read social media, right, you just, like, like sometimes people, like, like, this is one of my frustrations with, like, the modern world that we live in. We live, I, I've heard Colin Cowherd, who I said the other day, is a, a little bit of an idol of mine. He says this all the time. We live in a post-facts society. In other words, facts are optional in this day and age. Like, it's just like, oh, no, we have this indisputable truth, but somebody on social media is going to tell you, nope, 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 nope. Sky isn't blue. Sky is purple. Let me tell you why the sky is purple. I know you think it's blue, but I'm going to tell you why it's purple, Okay. So why do I bring it up as it pertains to Major League Baseball? It's because of this. Rob Manfred, their, their commissioner, is a total putz. And I'm not a baseball guy, and I don't claim to have all the answers. But when you get your games canceled, you're a total putz, okay? NBA, I've said it many times. I don't really know what Adam Silver has done well since he has taken over, okay? Ratings are way down. Uh, it's become a more divisive sport with the off-the-court issues and social uh, justice and this and that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be allowed to express yourself. I'm just saying it is a divisive thing to do. Um, what else? Oh, by the way, the bubble with the with NBA started a month too late. Let the players walk all over him when he's trying to put together that bubble and finally push came to shove. They started the bubble end of July, and by the time the playoffs came around, nobody watched because it was football season. I mean, you could go on and on. Yet when you look at the coverage on social media of all of the major commissioners, I just include those three, Gary Bettman, whatever, you would think that Roger Goodell is by far the worst out of all of them. Just the way he is covered, just the way he is talked about, just the way people talk about him on social media, you would think the way he is covered, he is by far the worst. And in reality, he's by far the best. It cracks me up because I think about this all the time. Roger Goodell is by any tangible measurement like Maybe the best commissioner, I, I, listen, I, I don't want to do like the historical thing. David Stern's probably the best commissioner of all time. But like Roger Goodell is so much better than he gets credit for. And listen, I understand that he's butchered a ton of PR stuff, um, completely mismanaged the Ray Rice stuff, which weirdly we've talked about the Ray Rice situation like three, four episodes in a row, not making light of it, very serious subject. Roger Goodell butchered it. Um, he completely butchered the Ezekiel Elliott investigation. He weirdly hasn't done anything with Deshaun Watson, which seems kind of weird to me. The thing is, though, Roger Goodell, as bad as he is at PR, his job isn't to be a PR expert. His job isn't to put out fires PR-wise. His job is to make his owners as much money as possible. And that's absolutely what he does. And I'm not going to bore you with details, but the bottom line is, like, the NFL somehow is continuing to grow in a way that I don't even think any of us even imagined. I threw out the stat, but, like, 25 million people Watch the Packers-Browns on Christmas Day. 25 million people. One game, Christmas Day, holiday. You can argue everybody's home, 
But I would argue there's a lot of people at church. I would argue there's a lot of people eating dinner. I would argue there's a lot of people traveling. 25 million people. That's more than any non-NFL sporting event will have all year. That was one game. The Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, Raiders, 40 million people. That's a 30-year high in terms of total viewers. That is bananas. That's not a playoff game. That's not a Super Bowl. That's not a college football playoff game. That's a regular season game, and I know it's the Cowboys or the Raiders, but that is absolutely bananas. So I'm not going to get into all of it, but it just does crack me up, this idea like, oh, Roger Goodell, worst commissioner ever. And it's like, no, he's not. All the guy does is make money. By the way, guess what? Uh, Next year, Amazon has the exclusive Thursday night package. You know what that means? That's a whole nother stream of revenue that wasn't there before. Now we got the Thursday night package with Amazon. We got the Sunday package with Fox and CBS. We got the Monday night package with with, uh, ESPN. Oh, by the way, we had a Monday night playoff game for the first time ever this year. We got games in London. I saw there's going to be a game in Munich next year. So listen. Just further proof, get off social media. and Stay on social media to check to see what I'm doing, to see when I'm posting new episodes of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. But otherwise, get off social media. People are total idiots. All right, this is what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. I do want to talk a little college hoops. Busy Tuesday night in college hoops. I'll be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back, good to be back, and I do want to switch gears, and I do want to talk a little bit about college hoops, because college hoops was rocking on Tuesday night, baby, final Tuesday of the regular season, a couple really big games, right, Uh, obviously the big one uh, that most of you probably saw the ending to, Wisconsin-Purdue for a Big Ten regular season title, a kid named Chucky Hepburn, what a great name by the way, I wish my name was Chucky Hepburn 3 Bank Game Wisconsin Big Ten title, we'll talk about them in a minute. But I do want to start somewhere else, and I actually want to start on the West Coast uh, at a game that I was at. USC hosted Arizona, top 25 matchup. By the way, if you're wondering why we're why the, the, this episode dropped so late on, uh, on, on, on Wednesday here, forgive me, I was at the arena until about 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, got home about 11 Pacific, East, uh, 11 Pacific 2 a.m. Eastern. So forgive me, but I do want to talk about the Arizona-USC game because what I'll say is this. I know many of you didn't make it till the end. I almost did it myself because it was an absolute bloodbath. Arizona 51 points in the first half, 91 points in the game. And let me tell you this, that was about as good as any performance offensively that I have seen all season long. Now, I know the Kentucky-Tennessee game when Kentucky shot like 78% from the field for the entire game. That one's in the short conversation. But Arizona was just as good, just as efficient. They were unbelievable on Tuesday night, so let's talk about it a little bit. Because what I'll say is that USC team that they beat on Tuesday night, that they embarrassed on Tuesday night, I didn't even mention final score 91-71, to that USC team is legitimately good. First of all, Andy Enfield has quietly turned this into a great program. Maybe at some point, depending on what happens with the Maryland search, uh, uh, you know, whatever, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Andy Enfield because I still don't think that people realize how good this program is under his watch. But Andy Enfield and USC, check out this stat. Over the last three seasons, dating back to the 2019-2020 season, the season that was canceled by COVID, USC has the third most wins of any Power 5 program over that stretch. The only schools that have more wins over that stretch, Baylor, who obviously won a national title last year, Kansas, and then it's USC. 
not Villanova, not Kentucky who struggled last year, not Duke who struggled last year, not North Carolina, not Wisconsin, not Tennessee. It is USC. So USC is a real program coming off an Elite Eight, playing really well, 25-4 and four coming into Wednesday and Tuesday night. And Arizona just embarrassed them. If you want an idea of how good Arizona was on Tuesday night, just know this. USC on the season was allowing per game 64 points per game. They came into the game number six in the country in defensive field goal percentage, allowing about 38% shooting from the field. Arizona had 51 points at the half. So USC was allowing 64 per game. USC uh, was allowing 64 per game. Arizona had 51 at the half, and Arizona was shooting 55% from the field at the half. That's insane. On top of that, USC had to give it up more than 75 points all season long. Arizona scores 91, and what was crazy was basically after halftime, Arizona was just trying to bleed the clock. They weren't even, I don't want to say they weren't trying, but they just took their foot off the gas. They were just trying to win that game. And so Arizona puts up an incredible performance. Arizona plays brilliantly, I would argue, maybe the best half of offensive basketball all year. Again, I know that Kentucky-Tennessee game would be in the short conversation as well. I'm sure there's some other ones. But what I would also tell you coming out of this game is it confirmed a thought that I had about Arizona, okay? Now, if you listen to this show over the last couple weeks, I've talked a lot about title contenders. Uh, A few weeks ago, I think I did, what was it, the six teams that I believe can win it all, Arizona, Kentucky, uh, Duke, Auburn, and Gonzaga. Maybe it was five. I believe it was the five teams that I believe can win it all. Then last week, I also did the, uh, what did I do? I did the, uh, on Monday's show, I did the, um, I did the, what was it, the, 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 six, the top six teams all lost, and I broke it down team by team. Well, I would say this. Even after I did the top five teams that can win it all and the top six teams losing, what does it mean? What I would tell you is this. Over the weekend, I had a thought, um, and I was afraid to share it, and I wouldn't put it out on social media. I'll share it here on the podcast. Many of you may disagree. But what I would say is this. I truly believe that there are two teams that when they are operating at the absolute highest level, when they are playing their absolute best, and when they are fully healthy, I think there are two teams that are significantly better than everybody else. One is the Arizona Wildcats. Two is the Kentucky Wildcats as well. Uh, And I actually thought about this during the Kentucky-Arkansas game where Kentucky basically had two guards that were both banged up, barely playing, you know, Ty Ty Washington's barely on the court. And I sat there and said, wait a second now, if Kentucky can go into Bud Walton Arena and play this well with these guys at less than 100%, when they are at 100%, that team is scary and it's the same with Arizona. And by the way, it's no disrespect to anybody else. I think Gonzaga's really good. I know that um, I know that there's a lot of people that, that listen to this show or that don't listen to this show regularly that'll probably say, Torres, you just hate Gonzaga. No, I'm actually probably one of the biggest Gonzaga supporters in the world. I think Gonzaga, not in the world, but in the media. I think Gonzaga's really good. I think they're a great program. I think at some point they're going to break through. And I do believe this could be the year, right? Like, like I'm not saying that Arizona and Kentucky are the only teams that can win it all. But what I am saying is when they're at, the, at their absolute best, I don't believe that anybody is better. And I don't even believe that anybody's close. Because what I would say about those two teams is this is that those two teams, when they are operating at their absolute highest levels, they really have no weakness, right? You look at some of the other teams. Uh, Purdue, we talked about their defense. You, Auburn, their guards are struggling. Uh, Kansas is a mess right now. They just lost to TCU on Tuesday night, and I know TCU is a tournament team, but that's not a game that Kansas should lose. Um, and oh, by the way, 
even Gonzaga, I like Gonzaga, but I don't know that their guards are elite, especially relative to some of the other backcourts that they'll face over the course of the tournament. So when I look at the, the, the scope of college basketball, what I would say is I do believe there are two teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else when they are fully healthy, and it is Arizona and Kentucky. I've obviously talked about Kentucky. I think the biggest thing with Kentucky at this point, they just got to get fully healthy, right? They just got to get fully healthy. They had everybody available against Ole Miss on Tuesday night, and they blew the doors off the building. Uh, they win 83-72. to I know it got close at certain points in the second half, but you never felt like Kentucky wasn't winning that game as they win convincingly. Oscar Shibway, 18 points in that one. Um, but I've talked a lot about Kentucky, and I've actually talked a lot about Arizona too, so I'm not going to belabor the point. But when I look at those two teams, what I see is teams that are complete. They can score a lot. They can get stops on defense. They can defend. They can shoot the three. Uh, they can play fast. They can play slow. And that's the big thing, right? We had Sean Miller on this podcast about four or five weeks ago. And one of the things Sean Miller said was, look, when it gets to the NCAA tournament, you have to be able to win multiple different ways. I've talked about it. I've shared this story on the podcast before. But I remember the year that Virginia lost as a one seed in the NCAA tournament to UMBC. And I had somebody very prominent call me up the next day and say they will never win a national championship until they get that offense clicking at a higher level because you can't expect to win tournament games 62 to 60. You can't win six straight tournament games. There's going to be a game where you get drawn into a game where you have to score in the 80s, uh, and, and, and Virginia just can't win that way. Now, the next year, their offense got much more efficient. DeAndre Hunter got healthy. They win a national championship, but it was because their offense was so much better the following year. But I bring it up because what I see from Kentucky and Arizona, and I see it from other teams too, by the way. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Kentucky and Arizona are the only two teams that can win it. But what I am saying is, again, no real weaknesses, even Arizona. What stands out to me is a couple things. One, their size is incredible. Seven foot one Christian Coloco, seven foot one Umar Balo, six foot ten Azulis Dubelis. Uh, their guards are big, all that good stuff. But the other thing with Arizona, and I've said it a few times, so I don't mean to belabor the point. But with Arizona, I think it's worth noting, they play real defense, right? Number two in the country in field goal percentage defense. They play real defense, and so when I look at them, they and Kentucky, uh, I do believe, are the teams to beat going into this tournament. Again, as time goes on, as we get more information, as Purdue starts to struggle, we're going to talk about them. As Kansas starts to struggle, as Auburn doesn't seem to be itself, the more I look at this field, the more I think that when they're operating at the highest level, Arizona and Kentucky are the two best teams. But here's the fun part. We get to find out in two weeks when that bracket comes out who is actually number one. All right, really quickly, I do want to get to the other big game on Tuesday night, uh, and that was the one that I just referenced a minute ago. In Madison, Wisconsin, playing for a Big Ten title, how about those Wisconsin Badgers? And more importantly, how about the guy with the best name in college basketball, Chucky Hepburn? Sounds made up, doesn't even sound like a real name. Chucky Hepburn with a banked three pointer at the buzzer Jaden Ivey hits a three before that to to tie the game Chucky Hepburn at the buzzer for the win and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this game only because to be blunt I wasn't able to watch it as I was getting ready for the Arizona USC game in Los Angeles but what I would say is a couple things um first of all Wisconsin's kind of an incredible story by the way remember last year the chaos around this program. I know a lot of people probably don't remember it, but uh, late in the season, if you remember last year, it was COVID. Everybody's mad. Everybody's upset. Nobody's having fun. I get it. I'm not blaming anybody, whatever. 
But at the same time, there was a moment in time where Wisconsin had a bunch of fifth and sixth year seniors, 23, 24, 25 year old guys. I wouldn't even call them kids, 23, 24, 25 year old, fifth, sixth year seniors. And they have a closed door meeting with Greg Gard. And during that meeting, it was supposed to be private. We end up getting leaked audio of it later. But essentially, they just basically sat there and crapped on Greg Gard. We don't like the way you run the program. We don't think we have a good enough relationship with you. Blah, 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 blah. Why do I bring it up? It's because a year later, all those guys, except for Brad Davison, are gone. And oh, by the way, Wisconsin is now the Big Ten champs. So I'm not sitting here saying that it was all those guys' fault. And maybe Greg Gard has changed quite a bit over the last year. But... It's certainly, everything's coming up great guard right now, baby. I mean, he's getting crushed by his seniors on the way out the door. They're terrible down the stretch last year. They lose in the second round to Baylor. Fast forward a year a year later, they win the Big Ten regular season title. They're the Big Ten regular season champs. Obviously, they could split with, with, with Illinois if they were to lose to uh, Nebraska this weekend. But Wisconsin is your Big Ten regular season champs. Um, and I just think they're a great story, right? They're sitting here as we record here, 24-5 and five overall. And what I would say is this. Listen, I, I do think the Big Ten at times can be a little bit overrated, especially when these teams get to the tournament. But what I would also say is I don't think you can really argue that Big Ten teams do have it as tough as anybody in terms of scheduling because they play 20 league games, which the SEC doesn't, the uh, the Big East does, or the Big Ten, the Big 12 doesn't play 20 league games. The SEC doesn't play 20 league games. So the eight, the Big Ten, the Big Ten plays 20 league games. They play the Gavit games, which is a Big East cross showdown. And then on top of that, they play the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So these Big Ten teams play such brutal schedules. And so Wisconsin, which oh by the way also played in the Maui Invitational this year that wasn't in Maui. Like for them to be 24 and 5 this year is borderline incredible if you think about it. 20 Big Ten games. On top of that, they played in the Maui Invitational where they played St. Mary's, who's going to be a tournament team, where they beat Houston, who's going to be a tournament team, where they beat uh, where they beat Texas A&M, who's kind of a fringe bubble, probably not even a bubble tournament team at this point. They played Providence early in the year. They played Georgia Tech early in the year. They played a rivalry game with Marquette. I mean, for them to be 24-5 and five this year is just absolutely incredible and a testament to this team and program. And the other thing I would say, too, in terms of Wisconsin that I think has to be taken as a positive coming out of this game is the fact that Johnny Davis, their All-American, didn't even play that well. 16 points in this game. Uh, Wisconsin, a few weeks back, beat Purdue at Purdue. Johnny Davis put up 37 points in the win. In this one, it was much more of a balanced effort from Wisconsin as they get, as I said, 16 from Johnny Davis, 17 from my boy Chucky Hepburn, 19 from Tyler Wall. Just a great, great, great win. Congratulations to Wisconsin on the Big Ten regular season title. And I'll say this, you know, Again, I said on Monday's show when I was talking about the top six teams losing, I don't claim to be a bracketologist, okay? So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know how their resume ranks with everybody else's and this is where they should be and da-da-da-da, this and that. But I have seen Jeff Goodman really start to push for Wisconsin to get a number one seed. And I do think it's becoming kind of hard to, to justify not having them as a number one seed. Now, we'll see over the next couple weeks uh, because obviously they'd still have to win the Big Ten tournament. But I mean, if they win the Big Ten tournament, if they win their final regular season game and then they win the Big Ten tournament, that would be 28-4 and four overall, Big Ten regular season champs, Big Ten tournament champs, 
and that's that's a tough argument to make that they shouldn't be the number one seed, be a number one seed. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, they would still have to win some games, and we'll see what happens with uh, the other teams. Gonzaga, obviously, you think they're in pretty good shape to get a number one seed. Arizona's in pretty good shape to get a number one seed. But with Kansas struggling, with Baylor, I'm not confident that they're going to run through the rest of their schedule undefeated. Kentucky, what does it all mean? Maybe Wisconsin finds themselves in the mix for a number one seed again. I've seen uh, Jeff Goodman really pushing for this, and I can't really argue. Wisconsin 24-5 and overall, Big Ten regular season champs. Shout out to Wisconsin. That's what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. I want to come back, and I want to wrap the show. Uh, one little topic I saw out of the world of college football. As attendance is plummeting, and I don't know if there's anything we can do to fix it. I'll be right back. All right, everybody, I am back. Final segment of the show. Good to be back, good to be back. And I do want to switch gears, and I do want to wrap with a little bit of college football, okay? So college football uh, is always in the news. And what I would say is this, is that, yes, it's March. I want to focus on college hoops, whatever. Did talk Major League Baseball first time in a long time on this show, but no big deal. Um, But what I would say about college football, I would legitimately argue, I've been in the media for about 10, 12 years now. It's been a while. I would say that I believe that college football has never been more popular than it is now. The interest in it has never been more popular. The coaching carousel, recruiting, YouTube videos, podcasts, recruiting podcasts, on and on and on and on and on. People cannot get enough of college football. But college football, like everything else, like every other sport, it does have its issues. It does have its concerns. Um, And one of them came to light this week. Dennis Dodd from CBS wrote an article about college football attendance. And the fact that college football attendance is plummeting. And so I was asked about it on a radio show. I thought it'd be an interesting segment. But let me give you some of the facts on college football attendance. According to Dennis Dodd, CBS, uh, he did a study of college football attendance in 2021, compared it to 2019, the last full season before COVID. So we're not going to go with 2020 when there was 10%, 15%, 0% fans in the stands back in 2020. 2021 compared to 2019, these numbers are startling. Attendance is down 7,000 people per game, over 15%. Over 15% from 2021 to 2019, it is down since 2019 in terms of attendance. Over 7,000 fewer fans in the stands per game, according to Dennis Dodd. And here's the crazy part. One, 39,848 fans per game was the lowest mark this past season since 1981. And this is where you have to be concerned if you're somebody who loves college football or somebody who, frankly, you're an athletic director, an administrator, whomever, who relies on attendance at college football games. This is the seventh straight year that attendance has dropped in college football. And so the question immediately becomes, what is the fix? What is the solution? And I'll be honest, I don't think there is one. Sometimes in life, there's a question and there is no solution. Trends change, people change, society changes, and this might just be one that college football, as much of a behemoth as it is, there just might not be an answer to this one. And what I would say is before we get into the negative part of it, let's talk about the reality, which is there are logical reasons as to why attendance was down, right? Uh, You know, we had this past year the lingering effects of COVID. I don't mean to spend a ton of time on COVID. It's not what I'm here to talk about. You guys know I don't, uh, you guys know where I stand on COVID, okay? But at the same time, Um, Obviously, there were some lingering effects that probably impacted attendance this year. One, there were probably just a lot of people that flat out were not comfortable going to a 70, 80, 60, 45, 100,000 seat stadium that would normally go. 
elderly, uh, you know, predisposed health conditions, whatever. On top of that, there were a lot of people that probably needed to show a proof of vaccine, couldn't get into the stadium, or didn't want to show proof of vaccine. Had to wear a mask, didn't want to wear a mask. And so there were logical reasons why attendance was down. But what I would say is that sometimes, as I said in life, I just think there are trends that are irreversible that cannot be so. It doesn't matter how many committees you put together. It doesn't matter how many ticket giveaways, how many offers, how many this, how many that. Sometimes there are just things that change and there's no way to fix them, right? So I'll give you an example out of the sports world from the last couple weeks. A few weeks ago, the Winter Olympics happened uh, in Beijing, right? And if you follow it all, the Winter Olympic ratings tanked. I mean, it was like comically low. I don't even remember all the numbers at this point, but it was like historic lows down like 30, 40% from the last Winter Olympics. And everybody wanted to give all these reasons as to why the Winter Olympics were struggling this year. Well, it was in Beijing and it was political and we hate China and blah, 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 this and that. That might be a little bit of it. Oh, it was at all different times of the night and I never knew when the shows were, I never knew when what was on and when it was on or whatever. And that might be true too. But what I would also say is this. I just think that we live in a world where I just don't think the Winter Olympics are ever going to matter as much as they did 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? Like the idea, and there's always going to be exceptions, right? And there's going to be things that help. If the Winter Olympics are in the U.S. and it's on U.S. time and it's on U.S. soil and there's big, you know, American Olympians that everybody can rally around, whether it's in figure skating or wherever, like, yeah, I think there's, you know, ratings will go back up. And I don't know where the next Winter Olympics are, but say they're in, they were in Salt Lake City in 2002. Let's just use Salt Lake City. Yeah, if they're in Salt Lake City and if there's a bunch of Americans that people can rally around, then yeah, I do think the ratings will go back up. But I also think the idea that 45 or 50 million people are just going to circle around the TV in 2022 to watch figure skating if it's with people that that you've never heard of doing a sport that most people like like I don't think I, I think that world is done 20 30 years ago fewer options we talked about it on with MLB a few minutes ago that's different but it's 2022 we have Netflix we have Amazon Prime we have this we have that oh by the way During the Winter Olympics, we also have every NBA regular season game on. We have every college basketball game on. We have NHL games available if that's what you want to watch. And so the idea, again, that we're going to sit around the the, the TV, 30, 40, 50 million people to watch figure skating, I just don't think it's going to happen. And to bring it back full circle with college football, I think it's kind of the same. I think there are things that college football can do to help the cause. Um, I think some of these neutral site games earlier in the year, get them off of neutral sites get them into home stadiums. Even Alabama, Nick Saban, he's, you know, a college football god. And his AD went to him like three, four years ago. He's like, we got to stop playing these neutral site games to open the year. Our fans are tired of going to them. It's hurting our home attendance. We're going to play all these teams home and home. And so now going forward, I think starting next year, Alabama has home and home with Texas. And Alabama is going to play a home and home with a bunch of other places, Wisconsin and Florida State and West Virginia. I can't remember all of them. But those neutral site games that Alabama used to play, they're now going to be in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, I think that, that, that there are other creative ways to get people to the stadium. But I also think the reality is that in 2022, the idea that we're going to get a full house every single game, every single uh, you know, week, it's just not realistic. We live in a world where every single game is on TV all the time. And so I'm not saying there aren't diehard, and many of you are those people, by the way. I know people that are season ticket holders at your respective schools, and for those seven, eight, five, six Saturdays, whatever a year, you're going to be there. And credit to you. 
But I know there's a lot of people that are just like, I'm not going to pay for a whole season ticket package rather than paying, just use a, a broad number. I, I don't know. It's probably a lot more at a lot of schools. But rather, there's a lot of people that say, rather than paying $1,000 to go to seven home games at my school, I'll pay like $600 or $700 to go to the biggest game or the two biggest games every year. And I'm not going to go to Jacksonville State on a, on a Saturday at noon Eastern uh, when it's 100 degrees in September. I'm not going to go watch uh, Central Michigan when they come to town. I'm not going to watch Eastern. Like, there are a lot of you that have made those conscious decisions, and I just don't think there's anything college football can do. Unless you're willing to put the games all at night or unless you're willing to schedule uh, you know, uh, marquee home games and, and eliminate all those out-of-conference games that stink, but even when you do that, here's the funny part about that. I had somebody propose that. Well, all you got to do is just schedule more good games. Well, here's the problem. You could schedule Ohio State and Tennessee and Florida and Georgia and whoever. Somebody's got to lose those games though, right? So like it sounds great in theory, but just think about like Florida this year. Dan Mullen, everything's going good till about early to, to mid-October, and then they start losing. Then the last two or three weeks, there's nobody in the swamp. And so the idea, oh, we just schedule a bunch of good games. Well, somebody's got to lose those games. Uh, we move the neutral site games to, to, to home venues. That's fine, but it's one game a year. And so to me, I could go on and on, but I just sit there and say, this is one of those things. I just don't know if there's an answer to it. The TV experience is too good. Every game is on TV. There are times in the year where it's a million degrees on campus. You don't want to watch. Uh, you don't want to sit in traffic for two, three, four hours, sit in the sun for two, three, four hours, watch your team destroy somebody, and then sit two, three hours in the car on the way home. Some of you do, and to you guys and girls, credit. And there's a lot of you that do. But there's a lot of other people that, like I said, rather than making a commitment for seven weekends, they'll make a commitment for a week or two. And then after that, they just say, you know what? I'll watch the rest of the games at home. There's no lines in the bathroom. There's no lines for beer. I don't have to pay $12 for a beer. I don't have to pay $30 for parking. I don't... I'm just saying, it's an interesting topic. I thought it was fascinating. And this is one I just don't think there is an answer to. All right, I'm going to get out of here. I was going to do a mailbag, but here's the bottom line. We're at about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever, today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, and i got to get this episode out. I'm finished recording here about 1.30 Eastern. I want to get this one out for you guys and girls so that you guys and girls can listen to it, and I will be back on Friday. Before we do get out of here, I want to remind you, make sure you're subscribed to Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Make sure you're following our social media pages for the uh, team specific pages Torres on UK, Torres on the Hogs, Torres on the Vols, Torres on Auburn. All these great pages. And finally, I think that's it. I had another announcement, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, We'll have some stuff for March Madness, by the way, so stay tuned for that as well. But for right now, I'm going to get out of here. That's all for today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So with that said, really quickly, shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. I'll be back on Friday. New episode, Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.